Dunny Dan, we are in the Dun Dun. <laughs> Back in the Dunny. Back in the Dunny. Hey, what's your favorite cereal? Dude, easy. Three words. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. CTC? CTC. Getting I that CDA? That Getting that CTC? Cody's Daily Acronyms with the Cinnamon Toast Crunch. CDA? Yeah. CTC. Ah, no doubt. Hey, th- speaking of, I was doing a little QCM. Yeah. Little, uh, quality control measure. Yeah. Looking over our past podcasts and just looking at how we get into episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I established or identified a funny pattern. What's that? We always start by saying, hey, Dan. <laughs> there we go. We're in the Dunny, man. That's our way in. Yeah. I was wondering, uh, I don't think it's so much a function of just not having anything to say as much as a function of like, it is genuinely good to be in the Dunny. It is good to be in the Dunny. Also, I think it's the easiest way in. Yeah, I was going to say you look very skeptical when I said that. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I, I got that cynical face. Yeah, you do that cynical face. Like we have nothing, no other way to get into an episode. <laughs> other than what's your favorite cereal? Yeah. What's that's, your favorite cereal? It's our new one. <laughs> I have no idea. Not this again. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Just to give our listeners a little context, I asked Dan what his favorite cereal was the other day, and his uh, brain short-circuited. <laughs> I didn't realize that was the most difficult question that's ever been posed in life. Yeah, but in fairness to me... <laughs> okay, here we go. In, fair, in fairness to me, you also asked one of our close associates, one mm-hmm. of our close friends, Yeah, and also there wasn't an immediate response. I admit that person was able to come up with a response much easier than me, Yeah, but took well, a little bit. There was at least a response. There's like one or two follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So if you ever get a chance to ask Dan what his favorite cereal is, or if we could ever dig that out, that would be great. Well, here we go. Let's just roll with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. CTC. There you go. CTC. That wasn't that hard. Good Let's Lord. jump in. Now that we got two minutes of B-roll. Yeah. I love that. Nice shouts? Nice shouts. Let's hit hit Dude. up some nice shouts. We got four nice shouts for the day. <clears throat> so uh, last week, something great went down. Yeah. The uh, Flag Mountain Film Fest. Ah, yeah. The 18th. Yeah. Boom. So we got nice shout for Maria Campbell. Yeah. She's the director of Flag Mountain Film Fest and also the Arizona Women's Film Fest. And yeah, so, yeah. like you were saying, on the 18th, they did the virtual summer showcase, and they dedicated it to Black Lives Matter. Yeah, powerful. Yeah, no doubt. And so they produced or they showcased eight original short films as part of the Black August Showcase. Um, and that was all in solidarity with activists and social justice organizations. And so then they donated a portion of their proceeds to Neurotoy which was a nonprofit that focuses on uplifting and empowering women from different parts of the world through education, economic development, and get this, summiting mountains. Yeah, nice shout. Boom. So a big shout to Maria and everyone who helped put on uh, the Flagstaff Mountain Film Fest this summer in a pandemic. Yeah, not an easy task to do that in the pandemic, and they, they pulled it off smoothly. No doubt. So big, nice shout. Yeah. All right, yeah. Kind of in combination with that, I think it'd be important to um, highlight Orpheum. Like, what a tough time for them as well. And they helped co-sponsor that same event, that film fest there. So nice shout, Orpheum Flag. Um, They're currently involved with a a program called Save Our Stages, which provides um, economic relief to independent venues like Orpheum throughout the country. And Orpheum brings so much so much good stuff here to Flagstaff. So check out ways to support that with www.saveourstages.com. Yeah, get there. Man, the Orpheum is like a Flagstaff staple. It is. Yeah. I used yeah. to go to movies there as a kid. Did you? I, I saw Austin Powers there in high school. <laughs> Austin Powers no in doubt. the Orpheum. Austin That's Powers a memory. in the Orpheum. Yeah. 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 That used to be a movie theater back in the day. Yeah. 
Well, and then uh, nice shout, the homie Will McPherson. Boom, numero tres, yeah. Will McPherson. Yeah. So he dropped off some stickers for us, some stickers he made for Rivers, Tommy Rivers, yeah. um, to support the ongoing recovery for Rivers. Um, dope stickers. Check them out. We'll post them. Um, and shout out Will. You can check out his stuff. He's actually an adventure photographer. Mm-hmm. And you can check out his stuff at willmcpherson.com. That's W-I-L-L-M-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N.com. All right, Will Mac. Yeah, thanks for the sticker. It was super yeah. cool, huh? Yeah. Supporting, supporting uh, ribs. Yeah. I've got one more nice shout. Steven Goldstein. Ah, Goldie Gold. Yeah, that's Steven Goldie Gold, man. Been hitting us hitting us up on the IG, also blowing us up on the Twitters. Yeah. Dear, I just want to say thank you uh, for all the support and uh, the appreciation for the potty. Uh, thanks for tuning in. All the way from New York City. Yeah, NYC. NYC, man. The pod is uh, coast to coast. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kind of um, a little bit shocking that yeah. people succumb to listening to this yeah it is surprising i saw on our uh thing that we had a someone tune in from belgium yeah (laughs) yeah kind of mistake was that well we've been getting we've been getting feedback on the ig and to the podcast from from south america yeah from europe yeah so mind-blowing yeah (laughs) thank yous yeah well let's jump in then so we're continuing with our mindfulness series Mm. yeah love that we're gonna jump in um we've moved on from acceptance Mm mm-hmm um, some great posts. You put out some great posts on the IG. You oh, storied those boomerangs on that Twitter feed of the IG. I did. We did a boomerang. <laughs> did we? We did a boomerang. <laughs> Check us out. There you go. And uh, and now we're gonna jump in with patience. You want to give? You want to spell that one? P a y s h i n s. Patience. <laughs> Is that yeah. right? Nailed it. <laughs> Phonetics, <laughs> F-O-N-E, hooked T-I-X. on phonetics. <laughs> yeah, no for doubt. You. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we're gonna jump in with patience, and I know that this is also a common pattern for us. But we're gonna start with the definition. But we're gonna we're gonna start with the definition, and then we're gonna jump into all the exciting features of the life of a butterfly. Ooh, yeah, gee, I love butterflies. Look forward to that. Biophilia. Yeah, they make the world beautiful, right? Uh, no doubt. So with the definition, so looking at the homie, Merriam-Webster, NW, Mm -hmm. coming through, uh, defines patience as bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. Mm -hmm. Um, Secondly, manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain. And lastly, steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And in all three of those, it's interesting, there's basically two components. One, something's uncomfortable, and two is that you kind of persevere through that discomfort. Yeah, there's like a stick to itness. Yeah. With that. Okay. Stick to itiveness. Stick to itiveness? Something like that. Is there an IV in there? Yeah. You want to spell that one? Ugh. Maybe later. <laughs> okay. I have to write that out. Okay. To take it one step further, let's go to the homie, John Cobbett Zinn. Uh. Yeah. And his definition of patience in the mindfulness framework. So in the attitude of patience as it relates to mindfulness, he says to understand and accept the fact that things must unfold in their own time, a form of wisdom. Ah, blammo. There you go. Drop the mic there. Call it good. Yeah. A form of wisdom. A form of wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he did use a uh, previous attitude that we talked about there, huh? Yeah. Accept. Except to acknowledge the fact that things must unfold in their own time, a form yeah. of wisdom. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, you got to accept it. And the patience component, I think, really requires an awareness to the fact that things do unfold in their own time. Yeah. So when he when he describes it, he actually that's what leads into addressing the exciting nature of a butterfly's life. Yeah, I'm pumped, man. Break it down. Break it down. Yeah. So you know how butterflies start, right? Uh, this is like a birds and the bees kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just, let's, let's jump one step forward to that. So (laughs) after conception, how does, how does a butterfly's life get started? It's interesting because they have several stages of life and, and their evolution through those stages is, is maybe more pronounced than, um, virtually any other animal or species or insect or more than humans sharks. Well, I don't know. I guess it would depend on the human. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could be a detailed, pretty wild process. So what do they begin as after conception? Uh, just a young bean. Uh, larvae? Larvae. Larvae? Good guess. Yeah. Larva? Larva? Larva. Oh, I thought it was a larvae. <laughs> it's like French. A larvae? Yeah, larvae. Well, let's talk about American butterflies for now. Okay. Just because that's where we're at. But Well, Americans love eggs. Yeah. Larvae is the french um yeah here in america they begin as eggs but then they they transform into larvae and become caterpillars okay yeah and so as a caterpillar they actually have this focus where they consume foods they're trying to acquire the necessary nutrients to go into that next stage of life so they've already made a jump they they're they're an egg and then a larva to a caterpillar um and then after that they transform into a pupa pupa yeah all right (laughs) so they transform into a pupa and they enter transition in a chrysalis dang it's like a lesson in biology (laughs) right now this is great riveting yeah it's super deep biology Uh yeah and they so in the chrysalis that's that little um circular sac Mm -hmm. that they develop out of and become butterflies that process when they're in the chrysalis can actually take up to weeks or months that process that part of the process in themselves and so john cobbett zinn he uses this as an an example saying um basically like a child or for our sake we could like say a chinchilla nice nice are you equating the two right now (laughs) like a child is like a chinchilla nice yeah yeah yeah. okay so you you good with that yeah yeah we go chinchilla nice (laughs) okay so so John Kabat-Zinn says, a chinchilla nice-nice may try to help a butterfly to emerge by breaking open its chrysalis. Usually the butterfly doesn't benefit from this. And I'm going to say it, it, it doesn't. Oh, it <laughs> I mean, does? Unless it's really close <laughs> to, to getting out. Anyways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it doesn't benefit from this. Any adult knows that the butterfly can only emerge in its own time and that mm. the process cannot be hurried. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to hear that that process can differ too. Mm-hmm. Like that could be weeks to months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Depending on the species, location. I even think um, the temperature or oh. some of that can influence it. Okay. Based so on my, my very naive understanding of it. Yeah. Really in-depth biological take on <laughs> butterflies. <laughs> yeah. Chrysalis. Well, you said they're beautiful yourself. You said I, they're beautiful. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> they are beautiful. <laughs> So the thing there is that the process takes its own time, depending on all these different variables. If you try to force it. Yeah, it's no bueno. It's no, no bueno, bueno for the butterfly. No bueno so for the butterfly. hypothetically, if you got so excited to see that beauty early, it's not going to bode well. 
gotcha. Uh, um, and, and, and part of the reason for that, just to go into more detail about the evolutionary process of, of butterfly, um, is when they're in that chrysalis, it's so interesting. The cells of that caterpillar actually break down. Organs dissolve and become different parts of what ultimately becomes the butterfly. They basically disintegrate into this gooey substance. Yeah. And if you were to cut the chrysalis open, in fact, that's how they discovered that this happens this way. Yeah. If you cut the chrysalis open um, in the middle of the process, it'd basically be like two pieces of gooey <laughs> gooiness put that in the field notes yeah, yeah. Mm, cut open chrysalis and found two pieces of gooiness, <laughs> gooiness yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure that's how it was written yeah the first time oh, this was discovered i don't doubt it well, that's pretty fascinating so they actually kind of do this deconstruction reconstruction sort of thing yeah wow. uh, it's, it's remarkable yeah. like so the cells um yeah break down entirely so it's not like the caterpillar becomes the center portion of the insect's body of the butterfly. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually, they reorganize altogether. Like okay. organs become completely different things. Dang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so John Kabat-Zinn, in using that butterfly example, is basically saying everything has a process. And whenever we try and step in and hurry that process, mm we interrupt the development of that and it doesn't produce a benefit and maybe produces harm. Yeah. 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 So it leads to me one, I'm going to put you on the spot because uh, I didn't ask you this before. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you had any times in your life where you felt like you were trying to hurry a process or interrupt a process or felt like you, you wanted something over with? Um, I mean, so many times. <laughs> I, mean, I know I've talked about school already. Yeah. One that really jumps into my mind was my dissertation. I think we've maybe talked about this personally, but maybe not on the pod. Yeah. Um, so my dissertation, uh, you know, I wrote the whole prospectus, which is a ton of work, lit review, yeah. introduction, all of that, mm-hmm. um, and then launched my dissertation, which was a controlled a controlled trial mm-hmm. and it just failed like i got no one for it it was humiliating so you didn't have study participants correct i yeah. think i would have had like n equals two <laughs> so like the design the methodology that was all good just the participants no participants just the execution yeah it was surprising for some reason like fraternity and sorority students didn't want to come learn about alcohol consumption <laughs> <laughs> that's weird yeah that's weird, weird that. like how it might actually be harmful in a lot of ways man i would have yeah. thought that you would have gotten the entire student population yeah i was truly surprised but uh i had to go had to go back and totally rewrite um major parts of my dissertation to change the the participants and who we were going to be looking at and then had to relaunch that but i know in initially um launching that and then it not going well how impatient i felt with all that and trying to rush the process and and i think if had i rushed that process it wouldn't have led to a dissertation that would have been as good yeah could have just tried to like throw something together and get it done and that kind of thing yeah um, I also think I had an advisor that wouldn't let that happen. One William Martin. Yeah, one William Martin Jr. Yeah, no doubt. So I think between his guidance and kind of like um, his stick to itness, stick to itiveness. Yeah, there yikes. you go. Oh, man, um, you know that really helped me just kind of like stick to the project. Yeah. And there's so many parts of the dissertation that you can't force; like they have to unfold on their own time. Yeah. Like um, recruiting participants. Yeah. actually launching the thing that all has to happen in its own yeah, time yeah 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 learning to respect that college students don't want to answer a questionnaire and learn about alcohol consumption yeah it's so weird i thought everyone would just be so pumped <laughs> spend, <laughs> spend, spend their saturday night yeah. listening yeah. to 
yeah the details of uh, alcohol consumption yeah they just weren't into that yeah um you know another another kind of example too that i think might be relevant is also i know we talked about like cycling and running that kind of thing a lot but when i think about mindfulness in patients how a um how impatience transforms or uh like really kind of changes your experience so like i was thinking of this time where like misjudging mileage on a run Uh, yeah and thinking like i should already be somewhere and then you learn that like well actually yeah we have three or four more miles kind of thing yeah and how impatient you can grow with that and be frustrated about where you are yeah and so then changes your whole experience you could be outside running beautiful trails yeah flagstaff arizona yeah and be upset yeah that's that's kind of mind-boggling yeah i've had that go both ways too to where the the marker came sooner than expected mm-hmm. and then later than expected and it and both are fine um but yeah they can change entirely the experience and that's that's exactly that's impatience right that's informing that attitude in that moment exactly and so when we talk about patience we have to respect that each of us is individuals and if you think about this butterfly as if it were an individual um, have our own process and the own time for that. Even the variance between different species are unique to each butterfly in wit, in how long they spend in that chrysalis. Mm. That's an individual process that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we might be getting there, but just the idea that processes also can become reliant on other processes. Yeah. And so by forcing one doesn't really... Yeah. yeah. So that is like for me, I think, oh, yeah, sometimes it can be really hard to have patience for my own process or for the process that's going on for me. And then implicit in what's written by John Kabat-Zinn is that everything is in a process. Mm. And so everything around us. And I had an experience that highlighted this for me a few weeks ago. Um, I, I floated the river with my kids down from Glen Canyon Dam to Lee's Ferry. Mm-hmm. Right. Good trip. And so um, I realized in that process that my son's process was different than my daughter's. Uh And, uh, yeah, sometimes it led to impatience for him. Okay. So he was trying to get down that river. (laughs) He's getting getting down that river. What was difficult about it is um, I noticed that different parts of the river have different currents, right? Mm. And and I think that's something that's obvious any time you go and do something like that. But... In this trip, I became particularly aware of that because it influenced the process that would go on for us as a family. Mm. Is um, he liked the faster parts of the river and he liked paddling faster, and the combination of those two amplified what was already a process going on—a right. process of or uh, a conflict of two different processes between him and my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's just two in yeah. that whole scenario with yeah. your process, the river's process, yeah. everything else that's happening. Yeah. So yeah. there are all these processes that are going on in combination. And when we build in an expectation for our process or when we build in an expectation for the processes around us, mm-hmm. it leads to the sensation of impatience when that expectation is not met. Yeah. And yeah. so this is what he's writing about is that we have to respect that that we're in a process and everything around us is in a process and when we're trying to resist or fight that process we'll experience that impatience mm. yeah it makes so much sense and yeah. then again like the thing i highlight there is in in our relationship to that impatience is where we create our suffering mm-hmm. and so we might notice like okay i feel impatient with this i want to be somewhere else on the river mm-hmm. our favorite saying what you gonna do 
<laughs> what you gonna do? What you gonna do? You gonna go down that river faster? You gonna go down that river faster? Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. yeah. And so, and that question, we like that question because you can apply it to to virtually anything, right? Virtually. If you think about your own process and processes of things around you, there's such there's such a wide scale this that can occur on. It can occur with writing a dissertation, mm-hmm. or it can occur with waiting in line at the grocery store. Oh yeah, right? Milton Milton at five ten p.m. Hitting that Milton at five ten. Mm. Yeah. You can yeah. get through traffic quicker. <laughs> what are you going to do? You can get to the end of Milton now. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, there, there's some ways that uh, people talk about trying to practically apply the development of patience um, in your day-to-day life and using patience as an attitude for mindfulness to respect, mm. to step back. If you're in traffic at 510 on Milton, yeah, this is what it is. I gotta step back yeah. and realize, yeah, this is a, in a process that felt different than mine, and I can resist it or accept it. Yeah, I'm, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. So earlier we mentioned how in his definition he described patience. John Kabat-Zinn described patience as a form of wisdom, mm. and he actually goes into detail about how he sees it as a form of wisdom. He says it demonstrates that we understand. And accept the fact that sometimes things must unfold in their own time. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think I highlighted this earlier, and I only, <clears throat> only uh, amplified that word "accept," right? Mm-hmm. Only pointed toward that one. And again, going back to that mindfulness attitude is the practice of acknowledging reality as it is. But before that, he also says that there's an understanding, mm-hmm. and and I think uh, that wisdom piece really lends into that as well. Mm-hmm. That one, we have to understand this is the way it is. This is the way that things are designed. The processes unfold in their own time. Mm-hmm. And then we have to acknowledge and practice openness toward it. Yeah. And, and we have to practice openness because if we're waiting to get to the next important thing, um, that means that we're never really currently there mm-hmm. with the thing that's going on yeah. as it actually is going on. And, and yeah. that is mindfulness is yeah. to be there yeah. and to put all of your being into that moment and again we talk about the opposite being forgetfulness Mm -hmm. and so yeah with that impatience it just takes you somewhere where you're not yeah so so then how do you practically apply this patience Mm. um you know i've been kind of wondering that this whole time (laughs) you've been wondering that because you're wondering why i'm addressing patience why are we talking about patience like can we just get to the end and get all the practical stuff (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) the practical stuff yeah the process of this is not is not congruent with with my process (laughs) this isn't what i need i need practical stuff now yeah well how have you done with patience Mm. then Mm. i've uh i'm gonna rate myself zero to ten or what yeah ten ten there you go every time look how skeptical you look <laughs> nailed it always say 10 <laughs> nailed it yeah yeah Maybe this like no oh, six or seven yeah always a 10 yeah perfection yeah. Yeah. yeah well so there are some practical applications and to begin with is to actually induce moments that, or actually pursue moments that may induce that impatience hmm. yeah like on purpose <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so hey. like go put myself in Milton at 5, 10 p.m. YOLO. YOLO. You only live <laughs> once. So go sit in traffic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but in that, there's a prime opportunity to experience impatience mm. 
mm-hmm. and then to step back and apply some of these other practical skills we'll go over. Uh-huh. So um, in all honesty, this is something that um, I've incorporated at different points with something as benign as being in traffic. I, I, I've, I've found myself sometimes when I'm running errands to feel like ah, I need to get this over with or this mm-hmm. is taking longer than expected or longer than I wanted. And, um, and occasionally, not every time, I'll actually start to park further away from the entrance to wherever it is I'm going mm-hmm. as a mean to respect, like, ah, like this is all okay. Like yeah. this will take the time that it needs to take. Yeah. Um, and when I do that, it basically puts me in a situation where I'm being open to that experience of impatience and mm-hmm. then resetting to, to respect what the process around me yeah. actually feels like. Yeah, and I like how you were mentioning doing that intentionally. Mm-hmm. Like um, with that, by intentionally parking further away or putting yourself in a situation that demands to patience, it's kind of like training or training that muscle in mm-hmm. a sense. It's developing mm-hmm. that skill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can pursue situations that maybe typically induce that impatience. And that would be like a first step. That's not going to solve it. Um, at that point, you yeah. then have to be open to what your thoughts and feelings are. Yeah. So that would be the second practical application is once you find that opportunity to be in Milton at 510, um, you step back and then you mindfully notice what thoughts are occurring. Mm-hmm. So if you can reframe it as actually an opportunity to pay attention to what impatience does in relation to your thinking mm-hmm. yeah i was just thinking like our society is so bent on that like we kind of get trained to not be where we are yeah like we got to get to that next thing yeah keep getting to that next thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. get, get, on get that, where i'm going yeah get on that hamster wheel get right on that hamster wheel man. yeah jump off jump off what are you gonna do what are you gonna do <laughs> the last one i think is a really good one too i i can catch myself um sometimes in conversations with others where like i'm thinking about my response or I actually start mm. saying my response before this the person has shared what they're saying um and and one way to practice in, uh, to practice that skill of patience that attitude of patience is to be intentional and to be aware mindfully aware of your role in that conversation and make sure you're listening to what the other person is sharing in its entirety before you formulate your response before you offer your response yeah we can get impatient listening to others wanting to share what it is that we think or what it is that we feel now Um, and also with the idea that like i need to share this now so i don't forget it so we can interject or interrupt or something like that yeah yeah so mindfully listening being present with other people in conversation yeah yeah. yeah mindfully listening yeah so those are some practical applications for developing that attitude of patience and that attitude of patience correlates with what you said at the start of the start of this uh recording that it goes hand in hand with acceptance that we have mm-hmm. to understand everything's in a process that we're in a process and in order to incorporate patience we've got to respect those processes going on and accept them yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i love that let me let me let me tie it all up with i think one of my favorite quotes that Mm. addresses the topic of patience and for me i think yeah it's such a powerful quote because it really points to a model of patience yeah it's by ralph waldo emerson and he says adopt the pace of nature her secret is patience Mm. 
no better place to end oh there. yeah good stuff right yeah no doubt so then why don't you take us out by shouting us out yeah we'll do uh so you can always check us out on our website www.beyondflag.com flag spelled flg boom and hit us up on instagram we are beyond underscore flag also spelled flg we got posts we got stories we got <laughs> profiles do we we got a profile and a name we got a name on there so hit us up on instagram yeah and then there's add us oh yeah add us and while you're adding us on instagram (laughs) add us on twitter at at, with that circle a boom at beyond underscore flag twitter 22 followers and growing watch watch it work (laughs) just let that process unfold as it does yeah it's phenomenal Yeah. yeah in the meantime keep it fresh take care love you